Okay, well, welcome. I, um, I might just pray for us and then we will get into looking at God's word. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this time. Thank you for your, your presence in each one of us and your presence among us. And Lord, we just open our hearts to you now. I ask that you would teach us from your word, that you would speak to us, and that you would grow us up into the people that you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, one of the, um, one of the great annoyances in my life at the moment is that the air conditioning in our car is not working. Um, and... I finally booked it in today to get fixed, and it's, gonna, it's, it's three weeks before I can even get a, get a spot at the mechanic. And so, you know, on hot days, everyone's dying in the car, and when it's raining, it's all fogging up. And, um, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take three weeks, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait to take it to the mechanic. Um, you know, I could, I could just pop the hood and uh, try to tinker around myself and find a way to make it work, or I could... Uh, summon Andrew to come and, and also try to do that, or we could ask YouTube. But the reality is it's just too complicated a piece of machinery for us to work out. And um, so, you know, when you have a problem with the car, you take it back to the person who made it, the person who knows how it works, and who's going to be able to figure out what on earth has gone wrong. And so we're in this series at the moment called Getting the Bible, where we are going, going right through the Bible. And Andrew started it off last week looking at creation, at, at how God created us, the why, why are we here. Um, but like every good story, every good film, every good book, right at the beginning, there's some sort of crisis. There's something that goes very wrong. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So our purpose in doing this series is that we really want to equip everyone to be able to read God's word for themselves. Wherever, wherever in the Bible you open up to be able to make some sense of the big story and also of what God is saying to you personally. So last week, um, okay, actually, if you weren't here last week, we'll have more of these next week. They're these wonderful sort of printed uh, timelines of the whole Bible showing where everything fits together and how the, how the story holds together. So last week, we, we looked at the story of creation of God, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit creating people out of the overflow of his love, that we are objects of his love, and that he gave us some very precious things, that in that creation out of love, he created us for relationship with himself, and he also created us for responsibility. So we're created for relationship, for oneness and connection with God, for deep fellowship, deep knowing of God and being known by God. And also created with responsibility, created to reflect God. And uh, Andrew showed these two little, little triangles, which are very helpful. So everywhere in the Bible that you read, um, it, there's often this, these two themes of covenant, which is the Bible's way of talking about relationship, and kingdom, which is the Bible's way of talking about responsibility. And so God the Father, he created us out of his love, and from that he gave us our identity. 
He gave us a precious identity as his children, dearly beloved, having great purpose and great value. And then out of that flows obedience. That, 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 that is one of the, that's the dynamic of our relationship with God, that we're, we're created to obey. And we will get to that more as we go on through this series. And the second, the second triangle there, if you see, it's got, it's got king at the top. So God is king, and we are created to acknowledge him as king, to know him as king. And from that, God delegated his authority to mankind to represent him on the earth, to manage this beautiful planet, to look after it, and to do on earth what God would do, just like his ambassadors, his representatives. And he also gave us power to do that. He also gave us what, what we need to be able to, uh, to represent him here and to, um, to represent him to all of creation. And so these, these two threads of relationship and responsibility, covenant and kingdom, they run right through the Bible. And you can kind of see them as sort of, sort of handrails as you, as you read the Bible for kind of understanding what's going on. So everywhere you, everywhere you read, you can look at, okay, what's happening with relationship here? And what's happening with responsibility? And it gives you a great frame for, for not getting lost in the detail or not, not losing your way in, in the big story. So today we're going we're gonna to look at um, probably the most tragic, or one of the most tragic chapters in the Bible. We're going to look at Genesis 3. And, you know, as we, as we look at the world, I think, you know, we'd, we'd all agree that something is really wrong. Things are broken. There is, you know, enormous suffering. There's pain. There's death. There's sickness. There's cruelty. There's evil. There's just immense selfishness. There's uh, conflict and broken relationships. And so it's a big question for, for all of us as people of how do we make sense of this? And, you know, philosophy and culture, they're constantly proposing different different explanations of what's gone wrong and therefore different solutions. And it's, you know, in our, our world today, it's very popular to self-diagnose to when you've got some symptom in your body to jump on Google, have a little ask of Dr. Google, and I think it drives real doctors crazy. Um, but when something goes wrong, the best thing is to go back to the person who made it. Just like my car is in better hands at the Hyundai dealership than with Andrew and me in our driveway. <laughs> so, so we need to understand what's gone wrong because you don't know how to fix something if you don't know what's gone wrong. And, you know, the rest of the Bible after this chapter, it goes on to, to unpack what's gone wrong and pretty quickly we see things going from, from bad to worse. I think the book of Genesis should be rated MA or maybe R. Parents, don't let your children read it alone. Because <laughs> um, things go, go bad pretty quickly. And, and then the Bible also goes on to, to show us what is God doing? What is God doing to fix these things that have gone wrong? Now, we're going to read Genesis chapter 3. And in this chapter, um, we encounter some strange, some pretty strange things. There's a talking serpent, um, and there's some pretty unusual trees, trees with supernatural powers, the tree of life, 
which can make you live forever, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which can take away your innocence. And so I just quickly wanted to address the question of what kind of story are we reading here? Um, and, you know, you'll find that there are, uh, there's a whole spectrum of, um, of opinions on these early chapters of Genesis, ranging from, you know, every word is... Um, uh, sorry, ranging from, yes, it's literal and everything happened exactly as it's written, right through to it's, uh, it's, it's myth or it's fable or it's allegory or even it's, it's pure fiction at the other end of the spectrum. And I don't really have time to, um, to look at that. Oh, sorry, my arrow should have been up the other way. Anyway, I don't have time to go into that in great detail, but just to say that as we look at Genesis... My understanding is that these things actually happened, but that they happened a very long time ago and that this is a story that is full of rich symbolism. And some of these symbols, we actually see them come up again in the Bible, like the, the tree of life appears again in Genesis, the serpent appears again, and, sorry, in Revelation. Um, anyway, if you want to talk more about that, Andrew, Andrew or I are quite happy to chat about that offline, but we, I just wanted to address it though before we, um, before we get into reading. So you've all got your um, printed copy there of Genesis chapter 3, and as, as we read it, if you've got a pen, just underline or circle or note somehow where you see responsibility and where you see relationship, and especially where you see responsibility gone wrong and relationship gone wrong. And I am going to ask you to tell me what you've noticed in a moment. All right. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you, you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman 
and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your chains and pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of, the brow, of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. All right, so where, where in that do you see relationship? Or particularly relationship busted, relationship gone wrong? God calling out, where are you? Yeah, so God calling out, where are you? There's so much, like it's, it's a haunting question, isn't it? Where are you? And... Uh, you know, yeah, up till this point, Adam and Eve and God, they've had this perfect connection and now that connection is broken. Where are you? What else do you see? Yeah. Like, so, so the, the devil is challenging that relationship. Like, did God really say? Is, is God really good or is he really holding out on you? Yep, yep, you won't die, so he's, he's lying, deceiving, yep. And I see the man sort of shifting the blame, saying, the woman you put me here with me, she gave me some fruit from the Yeah, absolutely. And then she shifts the blame. Yeah. It wasn't me, it was the serpent. Yeah. So we've got everyone pointing fingers. That's right, and he even is blaming God. It's, so he blames the woman. Yeah, and he's not taking responsibility. He blames the woman, and then he's even blaming God. It's the woman you put here with me. It's actually your fault, God. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right, so there's broken relationship with God, and then there's also broken relationship between people as well. What about responsibility? Where do you see responsibility being taken or not taken? We've already talked about the blaming, that no one's taking responsibility. They're all blaming someone else. They also built a relationship with the serpent. Built a relationship with the serpent, yeah. So with some a creature they probably shouldn't have built a relationship with. Yeah. Verse 
15. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, verse 15. Enmity, like you'll be enemies. Yeah. Yeah, no, no one likes snakes, right? I, mean, I think it's talking about a bit more than just that, but it's true that none of us like snakes. Well, I don't think so anyway. Um, you know, another, another interesting not taking responsibility. So the, the responsibility that God had given Adam and Eve was to represent him. And so the snake comes and says, um, you won't surely die. And at that point, Eve could have said, well, actually, we will, because God has said that we would. And so our job is to represent God to all the animals or creation and to you, and here's the truth. But she doesn't. And likewise, Adam, he's just standing watching and listening. He could have actually stepped in and said, oh, no, 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 Eve. Actually, God has said this, but he chooses passivity instead. He chooses to abdicate that responsibility and to do nothing, and instead to, to go along with eating the fruit. So, you know, when, when this happened, everything changed. People changed, and the world changed. And I think it's quite helpful if we, um, if we look at oh, our little triangles again, that where before there was covenant between God and people, it's now broken covenant, it's broken relationship. So instead of obedience, they chose disobedience. And that led to this loss of identity. They're suddenly ashamed, they're hiding, they're actually afraid from God, of God. They were not afraid of God at all before this happened. But when they chose to, to sin, to disobey, that shame came in, that fear came in, and it just wasn't there before. And what they lost is that they lost the knowledge of their father. Before that, they knew God the Father perfectly. They knew his love. They knew his care for them. And then suddenly, they're afraid, they're hiding, they're ashamed. But not just people changed. Also, the, the world changed because God had given them this responsibility to steward the world on his behalf. And, but instead of, instead of playing that part, they decided, actually, we want to be king. We want to be like God. And really, this choice, it was a choice for independence. Instead of coming to God to find out what was right, what was true, they decided, actually, we'd like to just know that on our own. And, you know, instead of representing God, Adam and Eve, they left a void like an empty throne when a king or queen decides to abdicate. And there is an evil one, as represented by this serpent, who came in and who took that empty throne. So mankind handed over um, their right to rule this world to the evil one, to the devil. And so the world fell under the influence of a being who hated God um, who hates his creation and who hates the people who, who represent, who bear God's image. And so this is the, the point at which all of the evil systems that we see in the world, um, suffering, sickness, death, this is where it all, all came in because human beings gave up the throne. They gave up their, their place on, on the planet to, to the evil one who came and said, all right, I'll do that. I'll take over here. 
And so, you know, what happens after this? It's really sad. Um, there's as well as the consequences that they're already feeling, uh, there's also a curse, um, which we read through. There are consequences for them and all their descendants, and we, we still feel those consequences today. Um, but we also, see, we also see hints of God's mercy and God's grace in this story. You know, suddenly they've got this new problem of shame and nakedness, and so what does God do? He comes and he, he makes clothes for them. He comes and he makes garments of animal skins for them. And more than that, I think we see God's mercy and God's tenderness in that this is not the end of the story. Like God actually at that point could have gone, okay, this is not going to work. I'm going to destroy all this, wipe it out, start again or maybe not start again. But instead of that, God chooses a plan of rescue and redemption that is going to be so costly to himself. But, but he thinks it's worth it. And so the rest of the Bible goes on to both unpack further this breakdown of relationship and responsibility and also the story of how God comes in to set it all to right again. So sin changed people and sin also changed the world. And we, we need to understand that because if we don't understand that, then God's solution, God's way of responding to this doesn't really make sense. You know, God had to provide a way that was powerful enough to undo the change that sin brought in people. So he had to do something that was powerful enough to to undo that loss of identity, to undo that desire that we have to do anything but obey God, to undo our loss of knowledge of God as our loving Father and to restore that relationship, to restore everything to the way it was meant to be in terms of us being connected to God and knowing God and being known by God. So he had to come up with a way of actually changing our hearts, our minds, and our lives. So it was a real, cha a real, a real change that occurred, a real problem, and it required a real solution. And in a similar way, he had to provide a way powerful enough to undo the change that took place in the world, to, to I guess, to effectively to kick the devil off that throne and to enable people to actually represent God again and to see his, his kingdom come, his order come back into the world. And so the story of the Bible begins. Now, we, you know, we thankfully have already read the end of the book. So we know, we know how this story ends. We know that God, you know, because humans messed it up, God had to come as a human to undo it all. And so he came as Jesus, and Jesus was the only one to ever live in perfect relationship with the Father. He knew his identity perfectly, who obeyed perfectly. And he was the only one also to walk perfectly representing God, bringing God's kingdom, bringing God's order, God's reign, God's restoration into every life that he touched. 
And so Jesus was able to die in our place, was able to, to pay the penalty for everything that has gone wrong in the world right since this early, early story of creation. So I, I was thinking about this story about, okay, you know, what, what does this really mean for, for us today? And I think the good news for us is that we can come out of hiding, that it's safe to come out of hiding. You know, we don't hide behind fig leaves anymore, but we hide behind lots of other things. We hide behind denial. Uh, we hide behind, you know, wearing masks, pretending someone to be someone that, that we're not or someone that we think will impress or satisfy the people around us. Uh, we might move the goalposts. We might redefine what's right and wrong so that it lines up with what kind of feels natural and comes easy to us. We might compare ourselves to other people. Oh, I'm, I'm not as bad as those people, so, you know, I'm kind of okay. Or we might even, you know, normalise or, or celebrate our sin. But the good news is that we can actually, we can come out of hiding because it's safe to do so now because Jesus has fully paid that penalty. So we don't have to play these games anymore. We can actually come out of hiding, come to God just as we are. Now, he loves us too much to let us stay as we are, so we'll, but, but we have to come as we are. We have to come out of hiding. And the other thing we can do is we can stop blaming. So we can stop blaming our upbringing, or we can stop blaming our boss, or we can stop blaming our family, or the, our parents, or whatever it is, whoever it is that we're blaming. We can stop blaming our circumstances. And instead, we can, we can take responsibility for the part that we've played um, in our own mess, in making our own mess and in the mess that the world is in. Um, you know, I think, you know, for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus, like all of our sin is taken care of. Everything past, everything present, everything future. It's all taken care of. But sometimes I think we know, okay, okay, I know that in my mind, but I don't really feel that in my heart. I don't really feel forgiven by God, or I don't really feel God's love. And I th there's this dynamic where in order to really experience, to, like to have that experiential knowledge, that knowing in your heart of God's forgiveness, you have to come out of hiding to God. You have to come, take, come out from the fig leaves, come out from hiding behind the tree, come out from hiding behind whatever it is that each one of us hides behind and come to God just as we are. And so that means sometimes acknowledging things to God that we haven't wanted to acknowledge or even acknowledging them to ourselves where we haven't wanted to. Sometimes that involves confessing to one or two other trusted people. You know, this, this, is, this is really who I am. But it's safe to come out of hiding and it's safe to stop blaming because of what Jesus has done for us. So, and, and I think when we do that, when we actually um, put down those defences and just come into God's presence, then he's able to actually, you know, minister his forgiveness into our hearts so that we can actually feel it and really know, oh yeah, 
I really am forgiven. I really am loved. So what we're going to do now is um, we're, going to have, we're going to have a time of communion because the wonderful cross is what makes all this possible for us, that makes it possible for us to come out of hiding and to be restored to God. Um, but what we might do first is just take some time to, uh, to pray and to ask God to show you are there places where you've been hiding from God? Are there places where you can, you can come out of hiding? And even preparing this talk, I sat down and, and did this exercise. And, you know, I, I've been a Christian for, for decades, but there are still things that I avoid or where I don't want to come out of hiding. So I actually think every single one of us in the room will have some, some area where we're blaming or where we're not taking responsibility or where we're um, hiding behind whatever it is we hide behind. So um, let's just take some minutes to just quietly before God, ask the Holy Spirit to, I'll pray for us, but ask the Holy Spirit to, um, to show you and then we will um, come, I'll invite everyone to come and, and um, have communion and remember the death and resurrection of Jesus. <laughs> 